It's, it starts with our need to rewind and kind of rethink assumptions that, about how offices behave that grew up in an era of desktop computing. You know, for, for decades, we had to go to an office and we had to go to a specific space within the office to do our work. And that hasn't been true for a really long time. Work has spread out this phenomena of distributed working long before the pandemic, 15 years before the pandemic. But organizations worked under those old assumptions that work happened in the office and you did your work in an assigned space. So it's a good time to reevaluate the fundamental value of the office, um, which I, you know, I've been now almost 25 years or more than 25 years thinking about the value of workplace experience as a subset of employee experience and what the real value of physical environments are. I think it's a good thing to give it some more scrutiny. It leads to better outcomes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Well, we are in February of 2022. Uh, COVID is about to celebrate its second birthday. And we've been in this new, a strange world of things, a strange world of work. And that includes this new approach of being either remote or hybrid or full in the office, but you know, taking the precautions that we need to take. But it's been really strange the way we have been working over the past couple of months, couple of years. And one of the biggest questions that companies, even today, two years after COVID started, one of the biggest questions they have is, what is the best approach for us? How are we going to work? Are we going to be remote? Are we going to be hybrid? Are we going to bring people back to the office? And even if their answer becomes, uh, we will provide you know, enormous level of levels of flexibility to our employees, they still have physical space and they still want to uh, provide the way for people to get together in person, you know, for collaboration, for innovation, social activities, whatever you want to call it. And that continues to be one of those big challenges that companies are dealing with today. What is the best way to organize their work? What to do with that physical space that they have? And we're going to have a conversation about this. How do we best organize ourselves in this new and crazy world of work with somebody who has been leading research about how to best work in combination with physical space for a long time, thinking about the future of work in relation to physical space and how people work with each other uh, in the same physical location, if you will. So Ryan, it is, uh, I'm very excited to have you in the show. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. I am excited about the conversation because, well, you know, two years into COVID, the question remains, right? What is the best way for companies to work? And for some companies that are somewhat forcing their people back into the office, one of the, one of the main things that they mentioned is we are paying for this physical space, right? What are we going to do with it? You know, they have maybe long-term contracts or lease with, uh, you know, with, with their, their companies and whatnot. But, but in your view, what is the best way not only to work, but to organize physical space, given the fact that COVID is here, and even if it's gone, there's new behaviors that people have acquired over the past couple of years that I think will be very difficult to undo. And one of them is that flexibility in choosing where they work from. So what are your thoughts on this? 
I, ha- I have many thoughts on this. <laughs> it's, it starts with our need to rewind and kind of rethink assumptions that, about how offices behave that grew up in an era of desktop computing. You know, for, for decades, we had to go to an office and we had to go to a specific space within the office to do our work. And that hasn't been true for a really long time. Work has spread out this phenomena of distributed working long before the pandemic, 15 years before the pandemic. But organizations worked under those old assumptions that work happened in the office and you did your work in an assigned space. So it's a good time to reevaluate the fundamental value of the office, um, which I, you know, I've been now almost 25 years or more than 25 years thinking about the value of workplace experience as a subset of employee experience and what the real value of physical environments are. I think it's a good thing to give it some more scrutiny. It leads to better outcomes. Um, Generally at Miller Knoll, the organization where I have the privilege of leading research, we think there's a lot of value in supporting employee flexibility, higher levels of engagement, higher levels of equity in terms of people's ability to do good work. So we encourage the organizations that we work with to provide choice to employees and then provide good choices. And one of those choices can be a really well-designed office space. But working from home is a great option as well. And flex space co-working, we should think about it almost like a, an ecosystem and then look at what it takes to empower employees to actually ask the question, where will I be most productive? Where will I be most healthy on a given day or in a given part of a day in order to really do their work best? But when you take that lens, what you don't end up with are office spaces that are designed with a sea of desks and traditional conference rooms. You end up with spaces that are conceived from the beginning as on-demand, desirable destination places. Some of that's about gathering and building and strengthening community. Some of it's about making sure that other parts of our work experience are covered. There are some people who can't effectively concentrate at home or their Wi-Fi is not stable enough. So offices uh, are trending towards, thankfully, less generic and much more purposeful. Go in, connect with the greater community, spend more immersive time with your team, and then get away for two hours and focus on a spreadsheet if that's what you need. But that's not really how most office spaces were designed in the past. They were designed with the assumption that you did almost everything in one open spot on a floor plan. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to go back to something that you said before, and I I love the way you phrase it. Um, Where, as an employee, where am I the most productive, right? And, and, And I think we have to perhaps begin responding to the question by saying that some people like to be together with others in person. So the assumption that everybody likes to work remotely, even if they had the resources, is not true. Some people like the flexibility to go, you know, some days to the office, to be some days at home or whatever they're working from. But at the same time, it is exactly what you're saying. It is if the office is providing the experience that those employees will not find by working remotely, then there's an incentive for them to come to the office you know, with a flexible approach to come to the office to seek what they are not finding at home. Meaning if it's a space to, you know, problem solving, for example, you know, if you are, if you're a scientist, you know, you don't want to work from home all the time. If you have to problem solve and you need to get together with other scientists, but that requires such a different mindset from the leaders that are in charge with deciding how the office space looks like, right? It does. And this is one of the reasons why I'm very encouraged by the somewhat recent influx of HR voices into the physical workplace. I mean, offices traditionally were were only viewed as part of the remit of facilities and corporate real estate teams. But as I mentioned previously, workplace experience really is a subset of employee experience. So having HR asking questions like, 
Well, are our people finding community there? Um, is it an equitable and inclusive place for people to come and be productive? Is it promoting people's health and well-being? Those are good questions. And leading facilities and real estate folks have been thinking about it for a long time, but it's best done in partnership with HR. Yeah. And there are a couple of things that are really top of mind that I would encourage organizations to think about at this moment, given your your very effective frame up of how two years of COVID is affecting us. Um, and I'll borrow from a sociological concept known as strong ties, weak ties. This was from a sociologist named Mark Granovetter way back when. But basically, strong ties are like our immediate network. It's our closest family members, our closest friends, our closest coworkers. These are the people that support us on a daily basis. Most people having lived on Zoom for the last couple of years are super tight with their immediate yeah. work teams. It almost feels like that's their company. Yeah. Like an organization is functioning as hundreds of tiny companies and you're really close with your group. And it may be that collaboration and innovation and community is doing really well within it. But if we look at weak ties, those are our extended networks. Uh, and that's critical to our sense of community. It's neighbors we haven't seen in a while, old friends, but at work, it's all those colleagues that we might not have a reason to be on a, a video call with, yeah. but whose work probably does impact ours and vice versa. And so strengthening weak ties, having organizations feel like their little teams are more connected, recognizing that with, uh, particularly in the US and the UK the last year with the great resignation that people with really established networks have left yeah. and have been replaced by people with almost no networks. Physical environment has to play a more critical role in doing a couple things. One would be bridging those relationships, fostering a sense of community. Again, we tend to associate that with things that maybe restaurants, hotels, schools, and other places do, but offices haven't done it very well in the past. And the other is we need to give teams those strong ties that do work together regularly, something beyond an hour's worth of video interaction, right? Yeah. So places for whether it's project spaces or neighborhoods, more immersive times like hang out and work through stuff and build up those relationships and ultimately learn more about each other's work. Yeah. So the physical workplace can, I think, play a really significant role in 2022 and beyond to help us not move back to an office first mentality necessarily, but to build up community, because yeah. ultimately that's what organizations really are. I mean, the productivity of your organization is based on the degree of community and people's ability to work with one another and physical office space can play a big role. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad that you are that the, the sort of the biggest framework in which you are, uh, you know, sort of putting some context to this conversation is uh, work-based experience. Uh, you're, you're adding in there, a lot of stuff that maybe we didn't think too much about before, like, you know, that is the work, is, if the, is the physical workspace providing opportunities for more diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, it's providing opportunities for productivity, for wellness and well-being, for health. I, I don't think that these questions were, you know, top of mind all the time in the past. Maybe, you know, like it was just like your physical comfort, you know, ergonomically, were you okay? But that was, I think, as far as it got, right? And, and now, you know, we have all of these other elements that are part of the equation of what is the best design for uh, for um, for our physical space. There, yeah, there, there, that, oh, ahead, the emphasis on ergonomics was very, very like associated with that era of desktop computing where people yeah. were at their desks all day long. I think organizations as they move into hybrid will see that greater link between their DE&I strategies and their physical workplace yeah. for a couple different reasons. One is, the better choices you provide employees, the more equitable opportunities you give them to be productive. And it's amazing if you talk to 100 people, 
how everybody's experience varies. And it's not really possible to say, because you have this job title, you'll work best there. Like you're better off empowering people. But the other, and um, and you'll hear more from Miller Knoll uh, from us in the future about this is I think there's some really exciting work being done on creating inclusive office design so that yeah. when people come in, we serve a greater range of people yeah. and not just uh, physical cognitive sensory needs, but even things like providing people of color relief from microaggressions and code switching in the office, making sure that working parents have better situations to support their daily um, movement between life's needs and work needs. It's a different view of yeah. office design, but that's where we're headed. And I think it's a better I, thing. I think it's very exciting, to be honest. And I think it's very exciting. And I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that it took us a big horrible crisis to get to a point where we realized you know that if we want to bring people back to the office in you know in some capacity we need to provide them some level of comfort that they may have at home right i mean they they are productive at home sometimes not all the time but they are productive at home because maybe they have you know the things they need in there and we need to provide a similar experience um perhaps in the in the office i am i i am very you know i, I i've been an enemy of prescribing solutions. And what I mean by this is I am an enemy of telling people you have to work from home all the time. And I am an enemy of telling them you have to come to the office all the time. The same way that I am an enemy of telling people work four days a week, because I think people, some people draw energy by their, with their work and they don't want to work just four days a week. They, they love working the five days a week. I mean, provided that they have a great experience, right? But mm-hmm knowing that some people will have to go back to the office, whether because they want to or because their company will upgrade some of their policies. Uh, how, how do you think HR leaders can create the case to their business leaders, the budget owners, the money owners, to say, if we want to bring people back to the office, the office can't look like this. It has to look differently because otherwise they will leave and we will struggle like most companies are struggling to find great talent now. What would you say to those HR leaders? Sure. Boy, there's a lot of things that come to mind. I'm going to start with uh, an even broader question, which is if the HR leadership is talking with the rest of the organization's leadership about flexibility, I think your concerns about prescribing uh, locations or prescribing times are warranted. If I look at Gallup's Um, state of the American workplace for years, even, in fact, I'm thinking of the report all the way back to January of 2020, just before the pandemic broke, it correlated having to work in one place, whether it was all remote or all in the office with higher levels of active disengagement. Those that had more choice had higher levels of engagement, which led to better business results. Um, We're a founding member of a group called Future Forum, created by Slack, Boston Consulting Group, Miller Knoll, Management Leadership for Tomorrow. There's some really outstanding information out there that we've done in our research in the last year over the benefits of greater flexibility. And I do think that one thing that I've noticed a lot is that HR often needs to remind leadership that that greater flexibility is a two-way street. It isn't just a a privilege given to employees. Employees are now accountable for reaching their goals and being able to communicate their status and working in a more distributed way. So to whom much is given, much is expected. And ultimately employees will learn to thrive in that 
or if they grew up in an era of presenteeism where just showing up was in fact performing, um, that's not going to be uh, good for them in the future. As far as the physical space, there's a bunch of research out there, and I might point people towards Leesman Index, which is an excellent independent research firm out of the UK, or we've got research indicate this, indicating that not surprisingly, more desirable offices uh, are better used and that employees rate their experience, uh, both in terms of their relationships with others and their productivity is higher. Yeah. Uh, the physical environments that we create do matter. And by the way, it's not just corporate office, it's home. We yeah. encourage organizations to think about supporting work from home too, because I know this sounds simplistic, but anywhere somebody's doing their work, they're somewhere. And either that environment is helping their physical, cognitive, social ergonomics or not. And so these are investments that either produce a good return or they don't. And that's not always the ways organizations have viewed them. So I put it in financial terms. What's a better return on your occupancy investment or your real estate investment? Is it building your community? Is it helping people to be healthier and more productive? Or is there just a view that you give everybody X amount of square feet, they all need a desk, and that if people are meeting together, it's in a traditional conference room. That way of working actually ceased to be the case a long yeah. time ago. And it's time that organizations fast forward to make sure they're getting the biggest return out of their real estate, but ultimately helping their people the most. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, and you know, our HR community listeners uh, in the podcast, uh, they, they may think, man, I have another task to do now. But, in, you know, the way, I, and I'm sure some of them would say that, but uh, the way I see it is it's, it's a very exciting opportunity for HR to add so much more value in other area that, you know, so much so of people had, you know, owned this, you know, physical space uh, sort of function before, but I think in most organizations, that's not the case. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's exciting to combine people data, engagement, talent attraction, retention, uh, employee experience with workplace experience, you know, what you're describing as workplace experience. I think it's, that's, that's a very exciting opportunity to, to have a, to connect more dots and have a broader picture of, uh, of the entire cycle of the employee in the company and their productivity. Uh, Ryan, let me ask you one last question as we get ready to wrap up the, uh, the podcast. In rethinking what the physical space should look like going forward to be that what you're describing, you know, providing that great experience, where would you begin this journey? If you are like, well, you know, maybe by the second half of this year, COVID hopefully, you know, will be, you know, downhill and maybe we need to do something to bring some people back to the office. I need, you know, HR leaders may want to think differently about their physical space. Where would you begin this journey? Yeah, it's a great question because most organizations are not uh, looking at investing tons of capital and redoing all of their office spaces mm -hmm. given, yeah. given the last couple of years. So I think some small strategic improvements make sense. There's a couple of things I'd look for right off the bat. Number one, is there any sort of space to build community or strengthen community that's in an open shared area, usually in some sort of major crossroads? It can be like kind of a coffee bar. It can be social. It should feel like a hospitality sort of experience encouraging people to reconnect. Um, on Herman Miller, one of the Miller Knoll uh, brands websites, there's actually a couple of thought starters around this idea, one of which we called Reunion Plaza, <laughs> which was all around like using bright pops of color and very social uh, spaces to say, we know you've been disconnected. We want you to spend time doing that. And we view that as work. 
because people often view social even meeting times is as not being the same as productive work but in this case it's really important um the second thing i'd look for are actually places to be able to retreat and do concentrative work. Um, We are continuing to find that a surprising number of people, last time I looked, it was 58% say that doing focused, concentrative uh, work at home is just not something they can consistently do. So there's this kind of feeling like if I'm going to make the commute and I come into the office, I'm going to see people. But then if I need to spend a couple hours working on a presentation for someone, I don't have to leave the office to do that. So those are the extremes, social and then focus. And then in between, I would look for places for teams to really spend some good time together. I'm a big fan of something known as neighborhood-based planning. Given the time, I won't get super into it, but basically it's where a team doesn't just have a bunch of desks. They have a group of spaces, desks and some uh, social spaces, some project spaces, different than what's shared by the community. So it feels like you've got a neighborhood. And um, we've seen that in places like Australia, Amsterdam, a few other parts of the world do really well. We're going to see more of it here. But I think organizations can begin to spend a little prototype, communicate with the employees. Hey, we're improving our spaces to have a better experience for you. Get that feedback, create that channel so that employees can say, this works for me, this doesn't. And then eventually scale those improvements to be able to modernize what may be a more dated approach to office design. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for sharing those insights and great ideas with, with the community. There's a lot of stuff that we can do here. Uh, to continue creating more positive impact in the workplace and in our employees, of course. So thank you so much for being with me in the show. Well, I appreciate it. I love what you've done and I appreciate being included in it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.